0: Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip tackles your questions such as, how do I keep my money safe with all of this government printing? What are capital controls? What does the central bank do? Plus, Philip interviews Dr. Mark Moore about real estate and other financial matters. And now, here's Philip.
1: We are back with another episode of Ask Philip.
0: Hey, I have a a special
1: guest today, Dr. Mark Moore. And, and I brought him on. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Aleem Bakari, over at the Connect Church in Arlington. And Aleem knows a lot of the advice that I give to young entrepreneurs, specifically young dentists who I work with a lot, about owning their building and the importance of like that being a, one of the smartest things you can do for your retirement if you're a dentist because the bank will give you the money. So, Aleem told me about a a, a friend he had that did, and I was like, hey, Aleem, I have to have him on because I've had a couple of clients who've done it, but I've met them after they've done it, and I've never really thought to interview him on the podcast. So, he connected us, and, and so I have him on because he went through the process. So, I want to get in his head, get in his brain, and ask him about uh, that whole process and, and, and how that went down. But before we get into that, we'll get the first three questions that people asked this week and the market update. It's Friday. And and for those of y'all who know, I look at my market data every Saturday morning after I have a week of data. I don't make adjustments during the week because it's two small data points. And so as of right now, my system still says we're in a recession with the caveat being we're really close to flipping that from a market standpoint. The interesting part about the market right now is there's a big difference between like the real life economy like real people in the stock market because of all the money pumped in by the Fed. And so it's it's an interesting time period. I've never been more excited to go through my numbers on Saturday than I am today just to see everything. But it's a very weird time. But as of right now, we're still in recession mode based on my analysis. So first question.
0: How do I keep my money safe with all of this government printing?
1: This is where diversification is, is, is really important. And I'll give a little context, and I know I've gone over this before, but the uh, history, you know, doesn't repeat exactly. It, it always rhymes, and what happens over and over and over again with with governments, you just, no matter what country, what political regime, whether it's capitalist, communist, whatever, there, there comes a point in time where governments tend to get too big for their britches, and and use inflation as a way to. Reduce reduce their debts, right? And so, governments always print. Like I have this really. If if you really want to nerd out on it, there's a book, Principles of Navigating a Big Debt Crisis by Ray Dalio. He shows you the work of going through country, multiple countries over multiple time periods, and how they all got through their debt deleveraging problems. And it almost always, if not always, ended with money printing, which is basically, you know, intentionally making making money worth less. So so then you look at all the different asset classes during those time periods and what did well relative to holding cash. And historically, to keep it super simple for y'all, you basically, if you ever heard of Chinese concept, yin and yang, right? You you always have two forces. Neither one of them is better, right? I always call it, you know, you got to have men and women, right? You got to have liberals and conservatives, right? You have to have, to make the world hold different competing ideas because those ideas are what make... You know, make the world progress and move forward. And so, in the financial world, you have a battle that goes on between hard assets and financial assets. like and you'll have ten, fifteen, twenty year bull markets and financial assets where they outperform. Hard assets and, and vice versa, right? And this plays out over and over and over again. And so, in, in in this type of an environment, when the government goes here, the hard assets tend to do well. People who own real estate that's not highly leveraged, gold typically does well. And and if you want to look in the market for stocks that do well, these are typically the stocks that are that have a crazy strong balance sheet, have a super strong brand, and are growing a lot. Because whether we trade in seashells or back when the pound went from being the dominant currency to the dollar in the 40s. You know, people still wanted to spend money with certain companies that had a strong brand and strong presence. They just said, "Okay, we're going to like not do it in pounds, do it in dollars or whatever." So, so if you're looking at stocks, there's a, there's there's a few of them that are going to do well today, you know, the ones that I think are doing relatively well that we that we own full disclosure are the Google's, Facebook, Amazon's, but even like the Adidas, the Nike, strong brands, like companies that, and they have strong balance sheets. So you got to be more selective in the stocks, but hard assets, good companies um, that are doing well, not the not the garbage companies that are not making any money or ho- or heavily indebted. Those tend to underperform in this environment. So that's what you do. You you basically diversify, on a lot of everything, right? It wouldn't even be a bad idea to. And, and and this sounds super crazy, but, you know, have some cash, but even think about like having cash literally in your house, you know, because if you look at, we'll get into cap, capital controls in the next question. But when you look at historically, when the currency has an issue, governments tend to step in and and, and control the flow of money in different ways. And and I'll, and I'll save that for the next question. So the simple version is diversify if you're going to tilt tilt towards hard assets and be su- super selective in the stocks that you own for my opinion. Next question, what are capital controls? So capital controls are basically what I mentioned in the previous question where if the government is saying, "Hey, we know that I'll give you like a real example, so Zimbabwe, the famous example over the last 10 years. Their currency went to crap. And so they they went in and said, "Hey, we're gonna go into your bank account we're gonna change your dollars into Zimbabwe dollars like with the snap of a finger and you you have to trade in they may trade hard to do outside of Zimbabwe dollars and they limit the amount of like gold and dollars that people held through <laughs> confiscating it electronically and and through force but this is not an isolated incident like the US government basically took everybody's gold you know back in the 30s 40s whenever the time period was as a as a measure of capital control so when the currency of a government gets in trouble they they do enforce capital controls and i'm not saying where you know what's right what's wrong i'm just i'm just giving you evidence of history of what to do to keep your money safe but that tends to happen so as an investor you have to think all right how do we navigate that right how to you know what's a good way to buffer against that. And, and it goes back again to just diversification, advanced foresight, diversification. And here's one of the reasons why, as, as you all know, that in 2017, because it was a mania and it broke my shoe shine boy principle, I was not a fan of Bitcoin because people that didn't know what they were talking about were saying invest in Bitcoin. Given everything that's happening right now, I think Bitcoin is going to be a bigger a, a bigger deal as governments start printing irresponsibly and people need to get, you know, get money out of the country. Uh, or protect their money from confiscation. So just thoughts, but those are capital controls. You can Google it and you'll pull up histories of capital controls from different time periods, different countries. again it's 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 not the political system doesn't really matter. it's the people in power want to stay in power. It's human nature and and money is what helps them do that. So I'm gonna skip to the last question at the end of our interview, Dr. Moore. So I want to get into that for the next few questions. And, and, and I'm curious, before we go into it, Dr. Moore, what, what are your thoughts on all that, that I just talked about? Have you ever, you know, you, you, you seem like a pretty financially sophisticated guy. Have, the only thing
2: that you talked about that I would be honest, I'm not super voiced in is the Bitcoin and stuff. Mm. You know, never strike my fancy, so thus I never spent time to learn about it. But what you just said made perfect good sense to me. And there's no doubt that in times get really tough, they're going to want to control capital.
1: So you, Dr. Moore, you're, you're a dentist now. At, at the current moment, are you still running your practice or have you? Oh yes. Okay. So so when did you get into dentistry and what made you do that?
2: Well, my father was a dentist, so I entered, I got out of college with a finance degree. I played a little ball in college and had delusions of grandeur. I wanted to make a living with my body. And at the end of that time, I heard so doggone bad. I said that, that wasn't the smartest thing to do. And surely I was smart enough to make a living with my brain. And after I graduated college, I went back to school and got all my pre-dental and entered uh, Baylor Dental College in Dallas in 1982 and graduated in 86. And uh, I had a lot of wisdom, parted with my father, who was not only a dentist, but probably the best financial businessman I'd ever have ever, ever known. He did a little everything.
1: Hmm. And Baylor is still Baylor, right? But now there's a Texas A&M Dental School around the corner?
2: Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, the Baylor is now under the the flag of Texas A&M. Okay. So the whole school changed to A&M. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cuz I was driving
1: past there and I was like, I swear, I thought this was where Baylor was. It was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same okay. place, different name. Got it. Got it. And so when you started your practice, how would you what made you decide to say, "Hey, I, you know, I want to actually? And let me give context, right? Because I meet some dentists who are great dentists. And from a business standpoint, they're like terrible business people, and they open up a practice Buy the newest, latest, greatest equipment. Borrow too much money, and then just net after everything, make less money for five, you know, for five, six, seven years before they turn it in. You know, there are bi- there are dentists that are great business people and great dentists, and dentists that aren't. So how do you say, hey, I actually can
2: do both? My background with my father was not so much of a lovey-dovey one. We never sat around the house and talked feelings. We talked business, mm. and it was that way until he died. So, I agree with you wholly. You can be God's gift to dentistry. If you can't run a business, you will not have a a chance to exercise your skills because you can't keep the doors open. So, I always had good counsel from a business standpoint. You know, when I was young, I didn't know business. You know, I learned it as I've gone, and I had a great teacher. But that would have been my driving force in the business background that I had wisdom to, you know, I asked questions. (laughs) I'm at least smart enough to listen. And, uh, when I first got out of school, you know, I, I went into a strip center that's probably just a couple miles from where I practice now, and I did that for five years. Matlock was a two-lane hot top road when I opened, and I remember a business decision that my dad put on me when I went to my colleagues at a study club, and I said, "I'm thinking about opening up south of 20," and they thought I was nuts because there was nothing down here; it was all hot tops. Hmm. And I said, son, when you go to open a dental practice, you need one thing, rooftops. That's all you need. You don't need retail. You need rooftops. Those are your customers. And so I opened up right there at 20 and Matlock, and it was... Pretty subdued little area, but it grew immensely. Here comes the parks Mall and all that. Then it became clear to me, you want to be away from retail. You want to get out of the hoopla to make it easier to get to you. But the, the house stops were still there, so we just moved down the street. Got it. And so early on, when, when did you decide to buy the building
1: for your practice?
2: Well, I've been in practice five years. During that time, late in that five, the, the expansion of Matlock Road came on. And if you bought the land before they widened it, you were a part of the assessments for the road. If you're, a, if you're a frontage owner, you had to pay assessments to widen the road. So we held off until the road was widened and just started looking for land and knocking on doors and found a piece of property that was owned to agriculture looked at the master plans of the city, knowing that Arlington is a bear to work with and they're not changing to commercial property very readily because they wanted to have home growth because growing south was the only place they could go. They were landlocked to Mm -hmm. the north and to the west and east. But their master plans involved a triangle of roads of which it locked in a piece of land in the middle, which they could never put a housing development in. And, uh, fortunately we able to, uh, buy all of it at a very right price. And, and that's what, that was the deal for me that made the deal work is that my father with his business expertise, cause I had a, at 20, how would I have been 32 or three? I'd have been pretty nerve wracked to go sit before the city council and convince them to do that. But you know, he didn't care. So he went up and talked about getting it rezoned and. Made it happen, and once we got it rezoned, we put it for sale, replatted it up, and they were made three large plats out of it, and a vet clinic came in next door, and we made them a price for if they just bought their pad, but gave them a better price if they take it all. So we never held the land at all. The profit off the two pads paid for the building. So we walked away with a free real estate.
1: I'm a super novice at real estate, but you said a couple of things that I don't want listeners to miss. And I want to like personally know more about, you know, you said I bought some land and we rezoned it, right? So so like in the investment world, we have like Carl Icahn who will buy stake in a company that's cheap and then force change on the board and then realize the profit. And so as I understand the real estate world, that's similar to, to, to that where you you look for a good deal. So you put the work in to go knock on doors and because, you, you, you know, you could have called the commercial realtor and said, hey, I need to find a spot to buy. And of course, there's not a lot of money in that, right? Because they're going to give you like what's already in the market. So, so y'all put in work to go find the deal, and then you did the work to convince city council to 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 rezone it. But kind of, do I have that right? Do I have, is that a good analogy of, of 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 like an activist investor where you're saying, hey, in order to find a deal, I'm going to create it by finding good land, and then
2: yeah, if you if you find uh, the stuff that's already out on the market, it's already marked up. It's finding it's, it, it's that person that's just sitting there that doesn't maybe not have interest and then you take it to them and when they spark an interest. I would assume that would work, you know. It makes sense to me. And I've got friends of mine who've bought houses because they wanted to live on the street and they literally knocked on the door of every house there and said, if you ever want to sell your house, call me. So it never went on the market. Somebody you know, Then they go sit down and they weren't thinking of selling and they said, hmm, you know, it's be a good time. We don't have to pay our 6% realtor fee. and let's go mm-hmm. and uh you know it was just i just you know, i'm a you know i'm a christian i believe it was god's timing i mean you know that's what that was the right time for me to move and it's been man it it's served me well i've been in that building since uh i've been practicing 33 years and i was five up the street don't let me do math on live radio mm-hmm. what is it 28 mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that, that, and, and so
2: and so over those 28 years I'd
1: imagine that's a lot that's happened. Because right? cause I think, I'm trying to think what you're next to. So you're south of 20, right?
2: If you uh, came down to the, Green Oaks Boulevard, lot. you got the big church, mm-hmm. Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Come south towards Sublet, about another 500 yards. On the east side is a vet clinic and a dental clinic. And now there's a little spectrum or something hub. Where it's nothing but a room full of computers, hmm. and that came out sweet because they came in there and asked me if, if, if for them to get access to their land, they had to go drop streets and drop sewers. And they said, "Can we pay you to drive across your parking lot?" And I said, "Yep." And they asked me for a price, and I doubled it, and they took it. <laughs> and, You know that pays every month on the clock. Nice,
1: nice. So, so what? What would be what would be your advice to? any, you know, I was going to say a young dentist, but just anybody who says, "Hey, I want to, I want to get into real estate, but I don't really know where to start." And and I'm and I'm not saying like buying homes, right? Because there's a lot out there on buying homes. I'm saying, you know, maybe they want to buy a, a retail strip, or maybe they want to. Uh, buy land, rezone it, get it built, like, you know, how do they,
2: where should they start? Well, I don't know that I'm the guy to give advice on that type of investment, because when I always ask those questions to my father about, do I finish out this next room? Do I spend the money on this? He said, always invest in yourself Hmm. because you got control in yourself. And and, uh, and and that's what my career's been about investing in myself. I Built a small office, then built a big office with extra rooms that I didn't need, and then I I just finished them out as I thought the practice demanded it. But I liked one of your comments that you said that young dentists go in and buy everything, and I've seen some of my classmates, and I'm telling you, they got the finest stuff money can buy, but it doesn't increase their production one cent. I remember when I built my office and I had these visions of my first private office in my own building. And I, oh, God, it was going to be pretty. And my dad said, you can't earn one cent in this office. When you're sitting in here, you're losing money. Put your money out there. And that makes sense to me to this day. You said invest in yourself.
1: And so I'm going to assume that's kind of your superpower, right? If you look at where you are right now. Financially, that's that's probably the biggest reason. It wasn't like your investment advisor, it wasn't your CPA, it was you investing in yourself and and building around your strength. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, it's
2: a very safe assumption. Okay, I mean, that's what you have more control over than yourself. I can control how hard I work. I can control what I will do and not do. Yeah, and not not being sold by somebody else and then they not follow through.
1: You mm-hmm. know? Yep, no, no, and and it's funny because because I'll get clients who will. They'll 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 say either they're going to trade their own portfolio because they want to be a stock market master, right? Or they'll ask me to shoot for the home runs with their money, you know. And I'm like, that's not what I do, man. I'm like I'm like I'm, like, I'm boring, you know. Like I'm like the money you give me is boring, long term money, not going to make you rich, but it'll make sure you're you're not poor in the old age. And I say because for me. I say it would be easier for you to say if I make a hundred thousand dollars right now doing what I'm skilled to do, and I'm on track to have a million dollars by sixty. I was like, it's easier for you to have two million by sixty by just doubling your income and saving more, you know, in the boring stuff. Or like, like I was saying, buy the building, you know, buy the building or practice you on. You don't have to be fancy. As a matter of fact, and I'm the biggest reason why I'm having you on is I think people's misperception of people that do well financially over time is. They had they, did, they had something fancy. I'm like, no. Most people I meet that built wealth and kept it are not fancy. <laughs> That's
2: my standard story. I have a friend of the family who. My first, my dad's standard line was, uh, a man's wealth is inversely proportional to the amount of jewelry he wears, mm-hmm. and I, it, you find it time and time again. The people that are dinged out, they're mortgaged to the hilt. And a good family friend of ours sold their oil company some years ago for close to nine hundred billion. And he drives a pickup truck and jeans. His wife wears clothes that you think they didn't have pot to piss in. You mm-hmm. know, he came in the office that day and said, "Mark, you got to go look and see what I'm driving." I'm thinking he finally bit. He finally bought the the Bentley or something. They walked in and he said, "Look, at that, got me a new Dodge truck." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 I, that's that's the way you want to be because mm-hmm. you know most people that seem to have a lot of things have a lot of things, but they had absolutely no equity in their life. For a
1: living, I call on partners of law firms and physicians and, and dentists. And and by far, my clients with the most money are the ones where you just like, you if you see them in, the, in in the store, you would have zero clue, right? But the partner of a law firm pulls up in a Range Rover, you know, brand new leased, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the Armani suits. And, and, you know, by the way, I'm I'm not knocking that at all. Like, do what you're gonna do, but there, like you said, there's a, you know, almost when I see that now, 14 years in, I'm like, okay, I don't know if I want that as a client. I want to find the, the guy or girl that looks like they don't have any money because
2: <laughs> well, there's th- things are okay if they're done responsibly, mm-hmm. but they can own you if you're not careful, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the sad part, yeah. you know. If you drive them because you like them or you wear it because you like it, that's to me, that's okay. If I'm driving it or wearing it so I can make you like me, mm-hmm. that's when it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. Any any other advice you want to give any young
1: entrepreneur, young business owner, young dentist that well, you I think you and helpful?
2: I talked originally. I think the one thing I'd be really opinionated about for a dentist building his own office and, and investing a career in that is to, I, I would build the building in a trust fund. Things happen in life. I was married 32 years and got a divorce. It's, you're never safe. Biggest failure of my life, but it happened. But when that was all said and done, I still had a place to work. And you'll swear at 28 when you start that nothing will ever happen in your life. It could be a lawsuit through your practice. And they're going to come after everything you got, but you don't have the building because the trust owns the building. I think it just protects your ability to get up on Monday morning and go to work. Mm. And obviously, you have the great God's gift to marriage. At the end, it's all everybody's anyway. That's what you're going to use it for. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think that's wise counsel. That's absolutely wise counsel. And, and
1: and and you may not know, but I'm just curious because when you said it, like I will have to go open up my estate planning, big, thick book. To look at the difference, but you, your attorney, because I'm assuming it, you could have done an LLC or a trust. Why,
2: why, why the trust over the LLC, or did you do both? Right, that didn't do an LLC. I'm a private individual. It's just my family is used trust. We have we have multiple ones for just different entities mm-hmm. we have, mm-hmm. and it's just something we can control. We're the trustees. Got it. And it just you know a little bit of tax bill. Okay, you no, know, they're not expensive to maintain. You just got to file a tax return on it, and got it. Because yeah, I, I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my homework. Because when
1: you said that, I was like, I was like, yeah, I, a trust probably would be a good deal. I just I leave that stuff to the attorneys, like the trust versus the LLC. And I would, wouldn't, and I couldn't tell you which is better. Yeah, that's
2: just what I did. That's just what you do. But whatever vehicle you use, just keep it where. If you get involved in a law, especially just in healthcare, you can get involved in lawsuits and. They're going to come for everything that's got your name on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I talk. I, my, my joke with my dentist clients is,
1: I say, listen, there's a lot of unemployed attorneys out here <laughs> that need to get a win, yeah. you know, off you. So, I mean, you're right. I I definitely appreciate um, you coming on. Like, And you can feel, I got two more questions to cover. You can feel free to stay for them or you can run. Oh, I enjoy on. your... I'm a, still a learning businessman. I'll take any counsel I can get. Uh, all right, absolutely, and f- feel free if you if you got something to add, jump in. So next question: What does the central bank do? Honestly, like this is a question that is way above my pay grade because they do a lot that I don't understand. But I know they do a couple of things that I do understand. That's that's relative to investing, and, and those two things are they they basically have a monopoly on the supply of money, so how much money is created. In the system, they basically are a you know quote unquote independent entity in control and supply of money, and they help banks settle transactions. M- meaning, you know how sometimes it takes a little bit of time for your if you move money from one bank to another, it takes a couple of days, right? And and not to go too nerd on you in the in the banking world, to make that transaction happen, they have to either have accounts at each other's bank which which will be cumbersome if every single bank had to have an account at every single bank's account, right? That would be real cumbersome and expensive because they would have to actually hold money in there. So the central bank helps to facilitate those transactions. So the central bank is where they facilitate those bank settled transactions. And, and that's oversimplification because you also have uh, clearing banks and all that, which JP Morgan is, the big banks. But that's you know that that would go take us down a rabbit hole that would put me in a situation where I'm talking about stuff I don't fully understand. But the bigger picture is they let banks settle transactions and they control the the money supply, right? And so why is you know, why is that important? Because in a, in a world where money is getting printed out of control, paying attention to what the central bank um, is doing is it's going to be really important as a business owner, as an investor, uh, as an employee, because at this point, they're really the only game in town holding up what's going on right now. And however you feel about that, you just need to pay attention and understand what they're doing, what their views are, what their policy is. The the The, the positive I can say about the central bank is they telegraph their move. So if they're going to punch you, they're going to point at you and say, I'm going to punch you on <laughs> December 31st right in the face and you can bet on them punching you in the face. So they don't they're they're pretty clear on what they're going to do and and just believe them. like don't think it's a trick, you know, if the if they say they're going to put money in the system the reason why you, say, why you saw the market rebound was they were like, "Hey, they put a bunch of money in. They said, "Hey, we're we, we're ready to do it again when we have to to keep the economy going." And so, yeah, that's what the central bank does. Last question, and and this is not really a question. This is really just a, a, a last, a last thought, like a last psychological thing to think about when you're thinking about investing, or, or let's call it a principle. Diversification. I probably talked about this every other episode over the last month, but it's really important. In diversification, in a world like this where there's so much uncertainty and literally nobody no matter how smart they are, I can tell you what things are going to look like five years from now because we're in a period of like things that that have that have happened before, but in none of our in our lifetime, and and it hasn't act, act it hasn't played out exactly the same way, and so you have to uh, be wise and, and be diversified. Meaning, like I would I would be a fan of owning you know stocks, bonds, commodities, metals, like I mentioned, some crypto, real estate, but I would I would be well diversified. In everything that you're doing, because and, and and it doesn't mean have money in everything. So at this point, I I wouldn't have mer- money in emerging markets right now. I don't have money in emerging mar- markets right now. Again, I wouldn't have a lot of money in companies that are not making a lot of money. You know, I'm not a real estate expert, but my clients who are buying real estate and are doing it right, you know, they're and Mark Doctor Dr. Moore, you might have a, a thought on this, but I have clients that are saying, well, man, the ca- the bank isn't paying me anything in cash. You know, but I can put 200 grand on a, on a property, you know, that after I pay everything in property taxes, you know, my my, my cap rate is six, seven percent, which is good, right? Unleveraged, you know, no, you know, and I'm like, I got clients who do that as an alternative to cash versus getting over leveraged. But it's it's a lot of things you can do with your money. But I, what I would say is this is not the time to like try to swing for the fences when the only thing holding up prices and markets and that's from going to depression is the central bank pumping money into the system, you know, pumping the hub, monopoly money uh, into the system.
2: You, you have any thoughts on that? Just in my own personal <laughs> investing, and I for most of my career, I traded all my own stocks. That's all my dad and I did is look at charts. I have now I have a son who's a and he's with Charles Schwab, and I let him manage some money. Because I'm getting older. and uh, it's, It was easier for me when I could be con- aggressive, you know. Mm-hmm. But now as I'm getting older, I'm not as good at trying to figure how to just protect that because I can't don't have time to go back. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's good for guys to trade a little bit of their money because it, it does nothing more than keeps them interested and keeps them up to date. Mm-hmm. If you'll do that, you'll at least log in, you'll look, you'll know what the market's doing, you'll get, you'll get that pulse of the market, and mm-hmm. it just... It'll pay dividends for you and everything you do invest in. But I think right now, just where we're at for me personally, uh, I think you want to be in the market, but cash is still king right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, it, this yesterday may have been the best day to go 100% in the market. If I knew that, I'd be independently wealthy.
1: <laughs> right, right, But
2: right. We, we've we kind of reached a new little trading zone where we're at right now, and I'm, I'm not convinced which way it's going from here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Well, no,
1: good thoughts. Well, that's all we have, y'all. So y'all enjoy your week. We're coming up on Father's Day month, right? It's it's my goal to make June Father's Day month, right? The Our, our, our wives and mothers deserve Mother's Day month of May, but I think, man, we got to get a Father's Day month. So I'm going to be celebrating fathers
0: all June. Happy early Father's Day, Steve and Dr. Moore.